I'm going to test you guys on something real quick. God is good. Oh, and all the time. You know, surprisingly, to different demographic of people in the first service, um, they didn't get that right away. Interesting. Anyway, but um, when I was, uh, I don't know how old I was, but 2006, I heard that phrase for the very first time. I walked into Rejoice Church on an Easter Sunday, and me and my brothers were walking in, looking all cool, looking like we were trying to catch some ladies. Um, But um, we walked in there, and this guy with a booming voice was like, God is good. And then everybody was like, all the time. And I was freaked out by it because I was not in on the joke uh, or the control tool or whatever you would want to call um, that, the callback. Um, and then he was like, all the time, God is good. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I don't know how um, you like have so much control over these people. They know exactly what you're supposed to say. It's because I didn't know that that was like Christianese. That was a control tool that lots of pastors use when they're trying to, and this is like, you guys get like, this is the backstage pass real quick. Um, like, like, oh, I think I'm losing the, the, the audience here. So I'm going to say, God is good. And then all the time, and all the time, God is good. And um, it's to hype up the crowd. Be like, you know what? Let's think about the thing that we're supposed to think about, which is God is good and all the time and all the time that God is good. And we believe that. And as Christians, we totally, honestly, wholeheartedly believe that. But this couple weeks, we've been talking about something that's a little bit different. It's, this is not for the Christian. This is for the skeptic. This is for those that that don't know if God is real or they don't trust in God. And it is on the witness stand, true Christianity on trial. If we were to put somebody in the witness stand to try to convince the world that the claims of God are true, how would they do that? And 1 John's a great place to look um, for that because he's, he's concise. He was there with Jesus. So he's a witness. And then also it's backed up by all these other things. And, and first John's very like theological and it's kind of like, what's going on, man. Okay. Um, but we can look at it and we can see how God chose for John to write this, to convince those who may have doubts about God. So putting Christianity on trial, we see these things. So the Two weeks ago, um, we, we said, okay, so was it, can we believe that Jesus was who he said he was? And we've got receipts. That's what, what Clayton did. He pulled a bunch of receipts out of his pockets. He's like, we got the receipts. Uh, basically, like we've got people that can confirm that Jesus was who he said he was. Not just John. That, and of course, like <laughs> the way that John writes about himself is like, he's like, hey, uh, I'm Jesus' favorite, but like, you know, the other disciples were there too. So like, it's kind of biased. It feels like a little bit, but he's like, no, like you can, you can test it. Like you can see that there are other people who truly, honestly believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And they don't just believe it. Like they, they like know, like it's all over him that they, they can feel that, that Jesus was who he said he was because they saw him die and they saw him come back. They hung out with him for 40 days, and then he ascended, which would be a trip. I mean, honestly, if you were like, 
you're like, I, I've got to explain this to someone. You'd be like, I sound crazy, but this is what happened. And then if you've got these hundreds of other people who are like, yeah, like that really happened. You're like, I'm not crazy. I told you I'm not crazy, right? So, so you've got John, that, or not John, you've, yeah, John that says this, and it's about Jesus. So we can, we can believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And then last week, we talked about how the morality of God is written on our hearts. And much like a, a sculptor or a, a pot maker, a potter, um, that doesn't sound like the right word, but it is what the Bible says, a potter, um, is creating something. And it's not dried all the way, and they put their hand on it. What's going to be on there? It's going to be their thumbprint, their handprint, right? And that is evidence that the sculptor made that sculpting. And Jesus, he's real. We can believe that. But do we believe in God, that God created us? Well, the, the argument last week was morality. If morality is on our hearts, it's universal, it's across the board, Somebody had to write that on our hearts, and that had to be a creator. Well, that creator is God. God, the creator of the universe. God, the creator of us. The one who gave us a shot inside of this world to, to be who we are right now and to be able to move and grow and make decisions for ourselves and all that kind of stuff. That God. So, Jesus is real. God is real. Today, we tackle something that all of you had... And we're going to throw off our church hats real quick. Do not be holier than thou. You have had these thoughts. I have had these thoughts. If you're going to leave me alone inside of this, okay? <clears throat> Don't leave me alone on this. Because we have all had these thoughts. What's this? That God may exist, but he sure isn't good. Boom. Leave. No. There is evidence that proves, and, I'm, and I'm, I know like making an argument for that God is not good is actually, it's like easy. It's like devil's advocate being facetious, okay? It's um, being like, like, oh, I can make a case for that. Well, you can make a case for anything. But, but we all have had the, that thought like, God, like, you may be real, but you are not good. Like, like you don't care about me. You don't care about so-and-so. I mean, look at the world. God, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. And you, we say that with the same breath that in the back of our heads, and you might not remember this until right now, but there are horrible things happening in, happening in Israel. There, there is a horrible war going on in Burma. There's a horrible war going on in Ukraine. There, there is sickness, there is sadness, there is poverty, there is oppression, there's depression. There's all these things that are that are really like lulling over the world. Like, like it's just like, it's keeping us down, man. Okay, like it, it really, it feels like that we, we can't get up out of it. It is bad. So we should be able to understand, and this is the church out off and just being a real human for a second. You can admit that sometimes you think God is not good or that the world is not good. That you're like, okay, so like, yeah, I have to be christian and be like, well, God's in control. God is good. I will always believe in him. I will always trust in him. And you've set your mind to that, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. I'm not making a case for God not being good. What I am saying is that the perception of God is not very good. Like outside of this building, and actually a lot of people in this building would say that 
that they're at a time in their life where they're like, nope. If God is real, he does not care about me. If God is real, he is definitely not good. So what do you do when you encounter this kind of thing? Well, first, I'm going to allow myself to be on the witness stand. Because I I think, not that I think, I, I know that if you, I haven't been in court very much, just one time, and it was horrible, and anyway, regardless, okay? I didn't get convicted, so um, <laughs> don't sign everything people tell you to sign. Sometimes it's without a notary. Anyway, regardless, um, but, but what, what, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to allow myself to be on the witness stand. I'm going to give my testimony because when you are on a witness stand, you give your testimony. You, you've been called to that that stand to say, I know what happened. Let me try to explain what happened. Whether you are the defendant or whether you're the other thing, um, but you, you are, you are the, the person that's supposed to be defending the truth. Let me tell you the truth about what happened. And a lot of you guys already, already know this, but my testimony is, is like short, sweet, like sixth grade, didn't believe in God, went to church camp, believed in God, gave my life to him, immediately was like, I'm probably not going to be a veterinarian. I'm probably just going to preach for a living. And then I started doing that. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But there's, there's a deeper part of, of this. It's not about my Christian testimony that, that allows me to say, I know that I know that I know that if I was to die right now, that I would give, this is the most Christian-y phrase ever, right? Like, I, I know all this. This is my testimony. no, the testimony of how I have been shaken to say, like, maybe God isn't good. Maybe, like, maybe I don't believe that. Maybe that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Like, I have a hard time with that. And it starts like this. When I was in fourth grade, I, um, my, my mom let us know that she was diagnosed with cancer. And then fifth or sixth grade, I can't remember, um, it's probably fifth, um, she, she had breast cancer. She got a double mastectomy and she, she lost body parts. She lost weight. She lost um, her, her ability to, to do things. She was just sick and frail and, and all that kind of stuff. She had radiation scars um, on her that, that made her just feel like junk. Um, she lost her hair. Um, she, she didn't lose her humor, which is really cool and good. That's awesome, wonderful. Um, but she, and she was like this awesome, wonderful, I wish you guys would have um, met her. She's fantastic. And, um, and she, she lost all of this stuff and, um, and through going through chemo and all that kind of stuff, um, even though the treatments were harsh, she beat cancer. She was in remission, which is fantastic. And um, so that happened. And then when I was 21, 22, um, the cancer came back. So about nine and a half, 10 years later, um, the cancer came back. It was inside of her bones. Um, and if I'm being honest, like this is, if I'm on the witness stand, and I have to tell you the whole thing, I'm going to spare some of the details, but, um, but I make it really quick by being, being like, hey, uh, November 7th, 2014, uh, my mom died of cancer. And I make it really, really quick. But my mom did not die of cancer on November 7th, 7th 2014. No, like the side effects of all of this stuff, the, the, that's what killed her. The cancer, like they were treating that and that was, that was happening, but, but it's what the, the treatments were doing that killed her. 
And um, at 5.45 in the morning, me and, and my brothers and my dad um, were, were there when she literally lost, lost her battle with cancer. She died. And I, I can be really, really Christianese about this, but that was a horrible time for her to die inside of my life. Um, because for one, I was 22. Um, I had just, and I'm, like I said, being very authentic, I'm trying to be authentic up here. Like what I would say on a witness stand, like I had what I called the dream job at this amazing church and it was crushed. That dream was that I thought that I was going to do this thing. It was completely crushed. And I was in between churches of being inside of this amazing position that I thought was so amazing to now I was in between churches. I was going to be at the next church I was going to go to, the one before I came here. And I was going to be the student pastor before I was um, one of their children's ministers. And um, so different positions, but, but I was in the middle of that um, I had lost the home I was going to buy. I had um, I, I had started losing friends. I, a lot of the people I put a lot of trust in, like shouldn't have done that. Um, it was really it was horrible for me. And on top of that, my, my mom, after all these years, after after waking up every morning when I was a a kid and a teenager, and I remember it, I remember thinking like. Goodness gracious, I really hope that my mom didn't die. I remember like, like going in and being like, hey, good morning, mom, and being like, oh, thanks, she's alive. I remember that. And, and, and then it's over, and it's so, it's just like, it's gut-wrenching. And some of you guys have felt that. And I don't tell this story to be manipulative. I don't tell this story to, to be anything other than honest about if we, if we say that God is good, all the time, and all the time God is good, we have to open up our hearts, our minds to say, okay, so what do we do in those times? When everything sucks, and you do not see a way out of it, and God in that moment does not seem very good to us, what do we do? And, and we as Christians, like we can handle it, like we can, we can bear the weight of that. What about people who don't have Jesus? Like, that's what this, this series is about, that God may, be, God may be awesome or stuff, but like, we have to answer these questions. So is God good? Well, putting John on the witness stand, he doesn't come out and say, okay, so in 2023, if you're ever doing a sermon, I want you to know that God is good, and these are the ways. No. He tells it with his life, and he tells it with his testimony of what he has seen. So is God good? Well, 1 John 4, 9 says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So what that is, summed up, that is the gospel. It is the gospel. And what does the gospel mean? It is the good news. That is what the gospel means. So this verse, God showed, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That is the gospel. That is the good news. 
And it's framed that way because the goodness of God is shown whole, wholesomely, like, like all together. It is all-encompassing. The goodness of God is in his love. The key to the gospel is it's love. That, that God loved us so much that he sent his son. So when, when people, and, and I, it's so difficult. If you are ever talking to anyone, which you will, someone says, how can there be a God when so much bad in the world? Or if God is real, he's definitely not good because of X, Y, and Z. Mom died, something. Okay, that, that is, is answered a lot of different ways. And we, we try to convince people. We try to talk ourselves into being like, see, God is good because of this and that. And we try to like form it. No, like the end all be all, the thing that's at the top of, should be at the top of every conversation, is God good? Is, well, let's take a look at what he did for us. That when I was dead in my sin, when I, when I knew that I had done something wrong and I had separated myself from God, that he gave his son to be a sacrifice before I was ever alive so that when, when the time came where I hear the gospel, the good news, that I can turn away from the wrong things I've done, turn to God and accept the free gift that means that's free gift. We think it's just like, take it, run, do whatever you want with it. No, but the free gift of saying, you don't have to be a slave to those things anymore. You are now set free from the sin that so easily entangles you. And now I can look forward and I can look to Christ and I can say, no matter what happens in my life, I know that you, you died for me. That was the ultimate act of goodness. That is what shows God is good, that. But getting people to that point with all the muddiness inside of this world, it's got to be gentle. It's got to be this, this like walk, right? You don't convince somebody the day that, that their mom dies that God is good. No, that happens beforehand. That happens through their relationship with God or, or that happens afterwards as, as, you, as you, you see God inside of their life, working and moving and shaking and all that. As God reveals himself to us. And then we see that God is good. And then something bad can happen. We say, God is good. But that, that, that baby step, that, that gentle approach is done through love. So it says that God showed how much he loved us. He, he didn't, God showed how he could shove this down our throats. God showed how he could just show up and be like, doesn't matter what you believe, I'm good. No, he showed how much he loved it. She showed how good he was by his love, by the gospel, by the good news. And it doesn't stop with just God doing that and sending his son. There's actually a, a dude, is Jesus, that carried out what we're talking about. We're talking about it at like 30,000 feet of like God sent his son. But no, Jesus walked on this earth, lived a perfect life, not just to be moral and not just to be like, I'm going to not do bad things, but lived a perfect life set apart, holy, which is what set apart is, holy, that when we look to him, we can say, man, he wasn't, 
He, he was like us. He was in flesh, but he was not like us. And when, when we are tempted, we give in to that temptation. Jesus, he, he rejected that temptation. He, he made a perfect sacrifice after all of that temptation, and he, he denies that temptation. He rebukes that temptation. He says, get away. Like, no, nothing to do with it. Lives a perfect life, not because he was, because he is God. Not because he's the man that made a decision. He was God. He is God. So then, he dies on the cross, laying down his life that was perfect as a sacrifice. And this is a, a cool thing. Before he died, John writes this, um, this account. Um, he says, this is what Jesus says. Um, some of you guys know this in John 15. Uh, it's talking about the, um, the, the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches and all that kind of stuff. And in that, that spill that Jesus gives, he says this. In John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And the reason why Jesus said that is because he was about to do that. Like, Jesus was the most bold, this is the most bold statement possible. He's like, hey, you know I'm the Messiah, right? And they're, they're like, yeah, we're kind of starting to feel that. And he's like, he's like, you know, like, I'm, I'm the promised one, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, I just want to, like, put it in, like, layman's terms. Like, I'm going to die. And he starts it by being like, hey, there's no better friend than to die for your friends. And they're like, yeah, Jesus, that's awesome. And then when, they, when he goes to die, they're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. And that's when Jesus says, get behind me. Like, you're not stopping me from saving the world. You're not stopping me from carrying out this, this work. This work of goodness, this work of love. That's the gospel, right? And that love, it's not this fake love that we just like, fantasize about and, and just forget about. First um, John 4.10 says this. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We have this mushy-gushy, like feel-good story of love. Like, love lifts us up where we belong. That whole thing, right? Or Love is a battlefield, or uh, that's probably not a good example. Um, but we've got this like mushy gushy in every movie. It drives every TV show. It drives every good book. Um, it, it, it's like, what's the love? Like, like what's the like that passion? Like, that's what really makes us watch things. It makes us get interested in things. It's like, it's like, oh, so and so, like, I don't know. I, I almost went true crime. And I was like, no, we're not doing that today. Um, but, but love is, is the, the motivating factor for the majority of us. And, and, and that's how God showed his love for us. Not in this mushy-gushy way, but in a very real, authentic, I love you. I love you so much. He wrote it on our hearts and, and almost stamped us with this need for love that we just, we can't get away from it. No matter where we go, no matter what we say, no matter who we're with, we're just like, we're just like, well, love is kind of what motivates us. It's like, for example, um, going back to Noah as a, as a teenager, I was, I was inside of a van going to some youth event and one of my favorite 
student ministry volunteers was driving and I was sitting behind him and he's kind of stoic. And I was like, I was like, man, this is, you know, God, I love God so much. And he's like, yeah, I love God too. And, and then he's, I think probably annoyed with me in hindsight, but, um, but I'm like, you know what, you know what I would do for you, Dustin? He's like, what would you do? And I'm like, I'd die for you. And he stops the car. He looks and he says, I need you to know something. I would not die for you. It broke me, but he explained it. And I didn't understand it until I was a dad. And it's this. He said, I would not die for you because that would, that would absolutely make my kids hate me. Like, you, dying for you means nothing. When you find someone that's worth dying for, oh, they're worth dying for. So what, what Dustin was, was saying to me was he was, he was saying that, that like if, if he was to die for me, it means nothing because he doesn't love me like that. And it's honest. But would he die for his kids? Absolutely. Would I die for my kids? Yes. But to die is, we, we think of dying for someone as being like a sacrifice. Exactly what's going on in our heads is like, I will like, we'll trade places right? That's the scenario. We're like, would I trade places to die? Or would someone do that for me? No, like my kids hopefully would do that for me because they love me so much. I would definitely do that for them. And the love that, that Jesus had was not this Dustin and Noah love of like, hey, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to point you in the right direction, but I'd never die for you. It's like, no, I'd, I'd give everything for you. Your need for love, like that, that's, that's what I'm about. Not mushy-gushy, but authentic, real love that actually matters. Something worth, worth talking about. My, my story of my, my mom, it, um, like, just to summarize, I'm, I'm, you can say like, like, yeah, oh, Noah's mom passed away, or hey, my mom passed away in 2014. Um, but but th- that's not the story that, that is so good, because that's bad. That's her failing body. What's, what's a good story is this. A couple months before my mom died, she called Caitlin and I to her house, and she was like, hey, come eat dinner with us, or, or whatever we did that night. Come hang out, watch TV. She got tired. She went to her bed, and of course, like, I was 22 years old, but I'm not ma- too man enough to say, I wanted to cuddle my mom, okay? So she gets in bed. I go up, I snuggle up next to her, and she's asking me about all these things. And she's like, she's wanting me just to talk her ear off um, so she can fall asleep probably. But, um, <laughs> but she, she's, like, she's like, what are you doing? It's out of ministry. And I'm like, oh, I got this going, this going, this going, this going. She's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And we're having this like good moment. And all of a sudden she hits me with a bombshell. It's this. Noah, I'm afraid to fall asleep. I was like, well, why? She says, I'm afraid. I'm afraid when I fall asleep, I'm going to die. And for the very first time, and probably one of the only times, my mom that was, I mean, so strong, had six of us kids, and, and really like, the, the, the portion of, of us having God in our life was that, that her or my dad were going to put the fear of God inside of us 
That's kind of like the McCormick, like, like that's what we talked about God about, is the, put the fear of God in you. But other than that, like not really talking about God, and then, and then God calls me and my brothers to go to church, and, and we give our lives to Jesus, and, and our, our lives are changed, and, and, and then my life has changed so, so very drastically of, of like going this way, but definitely like, like I just want to tell people about the gospel and I had told all these people about the gospel and, and been there when people give their lives to Jesus. But nothing was as powerful, still probably not as powerful, as when I was laying next to my mom. She was afraid to fall asleep because she was afraid to die. And I got to present the gospel to her. I got to tell her that basically, like, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I got to tell that to my mom. And in the, probably the quickest prayer I've ever led for someone or with somebody of, of my mom giving her life to Jesus, was it for the first time? I will never know. Was, was it, it doesn't matter. Like those don't matter. The, what matters is I can see the goodness of God that months before my mom ever passed away, when she was still sound mind, when she's still able to make all decisions for herself, she felt a need for Christ. She gave her life to him. She made things right. See, because the gospel is good. We may not see God as good all the time, but this world is, is bad. And that's what clouds our, our view. All sickness, cancer, ALS, COVID, what, what, whatever. We, we, there's so many things that take people's li- lives away or pay, take people's whole, just like even their, just their bodies away. And that, that's our failing bodies. That's not God. When we look at wars and we look at other countries in our country that make dumb decisions and, and they're killing people and we, and we think like, how could God allow that? That's not God. God's not doing those things. Those are people. And it's because all of the lying and the cheating and the adultery and the sin that so easily entangles us, like it is forcing us to make bad decisions because the world is not good. Our hearts are not good. But God is definitely good. So if you were to say, there, is, there, there may be a God, but he surely isn't good. Actually, the one thing you can be sure about is that God is good. That he is seeing things through. He is making good on his promises. And the promise was that he was going to send his son to die for us. That when we die, that we can have eternal life if we turn to him. That is what's good. And there's goodness in God too. There's so, he's protected you. He's protected me from so many things. And he gives us these, these small joys that, that keep us going. But with all of the oppression and depression and, and fighting and killing and sin inside of the world, we shall not, should not look at that to be God because it isn't. We won't find God in that. What we will find God in is the restoration. We will find God in the salvation. We will find God in, in the places where he said he was going to be, that he is our refuge. That, that he is our strong tower, that he is walking near to us, right? He is leading us where we go. He is providing for us. 
He is bringing people into our life and taking people out of our life in order to be solid with him. And it's real love. And it's real good. So this is what I want to do. Rylan's going to come out. He's going to sing. It's a time of invitation. If you feel like that you need to give your life to Jesus because you truly do feel like that you've never accepted that love. You've never accepted Jesus' goodness, God's goodness. Man, I, I, I pray, I hope that you'll do that today. But I wanna, I wanna finish with finishing the thought of John. So, so looking at everything that John was talking about, it's this, 1 John 4, 9 through 11, which is a bonus verse at the end, you'll see. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is the bonus verse. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. The missing piece to all of this, you can believe all of this, you can know that God is so good, you can preach it at the top of your lungs, but if you don't show it in your life, you are the beacon of light. You are the proof, the evidence of God's goodness, right? He, he left us here on earth to, to shine a light before men so that people won't go down the dark path. They won't, they won't give into their own sinful desires, but know that they will turn away from their sin. And you've already done that. So love others. You ought to love others. You should feel compelled to love others because God loved you so much. He was so good to send his son. He was so good to separate you from the thing that would separate you from him. And you get to die and have eternal life. And you and me get to hang out with Jesus and my mom, so many others that have come before me, others that are gonna leave before we leave this earth. And we can bank on that they are, they are standing in front of the throne. They're, they're in glorious light because of their decision to follow Christ, to understand that he is good. So give your hearts to Christ give your lives to him or commit to loving others the way you ought to love them. Let's pray. God, do something in us and through us that can't be explained because of us because you love us so much. God, lead us to do what is good. Lead us to do what is right. Allow us to be that beacon to others. Let us be the proof, the evidence of your goodness, God. God, we love you. And you love us. And, and I pray that if anybody needs to accept him today, they, they will do that. They won't hesitate to do that. They will just do that. They will give their life to you and they will commit to not following you and running away from you, but no, following you and following you and following you and following you until the day that they die. We always love you. We always give you glory. We always give you praise forever and ever. Amen.
We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, and that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.